Da, 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 da. Ladies and gentlemen, you tuned into the Page Turners podcast with your host, Elgin Bailey, aka Big L, for season four, episode eight. This particular season, we are walking through page by page, line by line of the myth and propaganda of black buying power by Dr. Jared A. Ball. Um, yeah. Sinuses are a little rough. It's that time of year, man. You would think in the summertime that it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, 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 uh. Not so fast. But, okay, let's dig in. And I read Joyner announced his retirement in 2019. Spent 25 years as a leading black media figure whose own routine promotion of the myth is logical given that from the beginning of his presence in commercial radio was tied extricably to buying power's promise. Though often ignored by scholars and activists due to his largely older working class black audiences who are its base. The Tom Joyner Morning Show was enormously popular and commercially well-supported. And at its peak, Joyner said he was pulling in $14 million a year. Be it as part of the ABC radio networks or any number of other corporate sponsors specific to the show itself or Joyner's co-ownership and syndication arrangement with Kathy Hughes Radio 1 and Reach Media. The Tom Joyner Morning Show was part of a black commercial media apparatus that helps generate and benefits from the myth of black buying power. As will be discussed further in chapters four and five, today's leading purveyors of the myth itself are guess who? The black commercial press, whose goals in this regard remain the same, promote a false economic reality to secure revenue for one example during the height of joiner's run in 2012 the true purpose of buying power was announced as part of a press release which included joiner and radio one's reach media and an all-star lineup of black commercial press and public relations leaving little wonder how the concept is so heavily circulated <laughs> that's important ladies and gentlemen that's really important today's leading purveyors of the myth itself are the black commercial press whose goals in this regard remain the same promote a false economic re reality to secure revenue mm -hmm. I think that deserves a little bit of a highlight right there don't you I sure do think so and I read, the headline read, BET Network partners with HuffPost Black Voices, Black Enterprise, Bureau Communications, Cable Com uh, Communications, Cable Advertising Bureau, Essence Communications, Global U, Inner City Broadcasting Corporation, KJLH Radio, Johnson Publishing Company, National Association of Black-Owned Broadcasters, Nielsen, North Star Group, National Papers Publishers Association, One Solution, Radio One, TV One, Interactive One, Reach Media, Steve Harvey Radio, 
The Griot, The Root, The African Channel, Uniworld Group, Vibe Media, Walton Isaac to create history-making black media, and Marketing Consortium. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was nothing but black media companies, okay? That's all it was. All of these were black media companies. Excuse me. As the press release continued, the consortium would use its collective resources and strength to speak to the advertising community and consumer audience to raise awareness and create a sense of urgency around the economic opportunity the black consumer segment presents. African-American media has the unique ability to reach the African-American consumer base directly and is an important resource in identifying and establishing trends within the black community. Hashtag in the black aims to amplify the value of engaging African-Americans through black target media and agencies. African-Americans represent over 42 million strong consumers, product talkers, brand influencers, with a buying power of nearly $1 trillion annually. By 2015, African-American buying power is estimated to gain a whopping 35%, hitting $1.2 trillion, up from $913 billion in 2008. African-Americans are mega consumers beating out all other ethnic groups in consumption of automobiles, wine and spirits, baby care products, groceries, health and beauty products, personal care products, apparel, electronics, movies, travel, and entertainment. And reading that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to throw up. Because again, they are perpetuating this myth, this idea that black folks just have this abundance of money, this abundance of wealth, particularly $1.2 trillion. They're saying that we have. And this is black media, man. Black media is saying this. And I go back to the earlier quote. Today's leading purveyors of the myth itself are the black commercial press whose goals in this regard remain the same. Promote a false black economic reality to secure revenue. Today's leading purveyors of the myth of black buying power are the black commercial press whose goals in this regard remain the same. Promote a false black economic reality to secure revenue. <laughs> Listen, man, I hope y'all paying attention. And I read, black buying power is, on the one hand, probably defined as the ability to be mega consumers of routine commercial products. So on one hand, it's telling the truth. On the other hand, it is this constellation of black commercial press and media which help, as is shown below, to promote this consumption as black collective political power. So they're perpetuating this myth, giving it the impression to many of us that somehow this $1.2 trillion of buying power equals black collective political power. So what do you often hear? 
if we would just spend money with black businesses. If we would just, you know, let's what's that one that they had? Uh Black Friday or Black Monday, where we were only supposed to shop at black businesses, and they tried to use that as a way of boycotting and showing folks that black people have this political power because we're able to, you know, keep our money in our community. Eh, 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 eh. Not so fast, my friend. And I read, but they have not been alone. It is not only the more conservative business and commercial press class alone who confuse or fall victim to the mythology. Across the political spectrum, the myth itself, taken from the previous described media apparatus, is made performative via pundits, activists, economists, journalists, preachers, and so on carrying it to an even more penetrative depths within the community that no other community has buying power so heavily promoted at all, never mind as a particular pathway to collective events, gives black buying power a uniquely pernicious and weaponized weight unmatched anywhere else. Enormously popular scholars and activists had helped carry this mythology throughout the black grassroots political spectrum via their meetings, books, and lectures. And boy, let me tell you, family, when I believe that black folks had $1.2 trillion of buying power and that if we can just keep that dollar circulated within our community, if we could do all these things, boy, all of that information and idea that I had gathered came from black grassroots political spectrum. And some of the names that he's going to mention, Dr. Ball, here in a moment, shout out to Dr. Ball, that he's going to mention here in a moment, are people who I got this information from. And when people still perpetuate this myth, they still use and reference these very people. Often, they do it all of the time. And listen to these names. And I read, Black grassroots political spectrum via meetings, books, and lectures carried also for decades on cassette and VHS before moving online. Malcolm X, Louis Farrakhan, Claude Anderson, Jawanza Kunjufu, the National Urban League, the National Association for the Advancement of Color People, and countless others, many of them covered by the commercial black press, have incorporated into their work the myth of buying power and have helped the myth circulate within the black political sphere for decades and other decades. And I'm sorry. And after decades of the myths promotion by 1994 and the emergence of reports from the Selig center, buying power was ready for a full inception into the black political mind. Listen, man, it's about to get heavy. Hold on. And I read, if there is a single exemplar of black movement academics and politics adopting the myth of black buying power, it is Dr. Amos Williams Wilson. Dr. Amos Wilson. Perhaps no single intellectual 
has done more to influence elements of the black radical activists, intellectual and underground of the 20th century. And none have put the myth to more influential use. Few involved in nearly all varieties of black politics, particularly those on the left of mainstream politics, and most particularly those within various African-centered nationalist, academic, intellectual, even black conscious entrepreneurial circles would not have been by now or come to know the work of Amos Wilson. I have been someone who has read Amos Wilson, has held Dr. Amos Wilson as one of the great radical activist intellectuals. Tremendous respect for that ancestor. And I read, be it through his numerous books or his lecture tapes distrib distributed across a vast networks of black bookstores, websites, or activist group discussions and academic present presentations. Wilson's works is among the most discussed in his blueprint for black power came out in 1998 is for many his most culminating body of work and a central point of reference still to this day. It is also through Wilson's body of work that many have found that their most enduring and legitimating source for the support of the myth of black buying power. Wilson's determination to develop an all-encompassing cultural and material plan for black people makes him still a central figure in the transfer of the earliest applications of the mythology described earlier by those seeking methods for circumnavigating the maze of U.S. white supremacy and capitalism to the modern era. And it's no surprise then that Wilson was among the earliest to make reference to the first report from the Selig Center in his blueprint. Chapter on Black Consumerism, Wilson develops upon the very tradition previously mentioned and expands the economic platform described by W.E.B. Du Bois in his own 1940 autobiography, The Dusk of Dawn. Specifically, Wilson was attempting to build his approach to black buying power from Du Bois' call for black cooperative economic effort designed to address the needs of black consumers. Wilson's reading of Du Bois would be worthy of its own separate assessment. However, it is only mentioned here to point out that the, while most familiar with Wilson, we likely associate him more with Marcus Garvey, a proponent of the concept himself. It was the boy's variant from which Wilson works showing again when it comes to buying power, there's relative agreement across an expanse of the black political landscape. And I read, the preceding decades of promotion of buying power likely eased the process by which Selig Center reports were seen to make official those long-held claims. Wilson, like many before and since, accepted the conclusions presented by Selig with dissimilar definitions of the concept, but a similar insufficient investigation. And like many before and since, Wilson applied an activist potential to the concept as a driving force of an economic plan he argued would lead to an eventual capture of greater proportions of the black consumer dollar, said then to be headed toward $399 billion. From there, Wilson continued... Once black businesses captured more of the black consumer dollar, they would be able to 
More importantly, to capture greater proportions of the mainstream consumer dollars and capital formations, these achievements will provide the economic platform for launching the African-American community into the mainstream of international trade and commerce and thereby permitted to provide substantially greater employment and economic opportunities for its constituents as well as other Americans and Africans across the diaspora. Amos Wilson. Wilson's ideas and plans for helping advance black collective interests involve much more than this, including increased political organization and affecting public policy through electoral politics. The purpose here is only to point out his adoption and adaption of the myth of buying power as one dominant example of how this occurs across the black political spectrum, helping to give the concept a powerful ubiquity. Nationalists, capitalists, socialists, Communists, African-centered, pan-Africans, and variations of them all are able to direct this imagery pool of money to plans which, with that as base, cannot fully stand. Wilson is truly a grand exemplar for the extra-institutional, community-based, auto-dialect, intellectual dissemination of the myth given his own tireless work in those spaces and the post-hominous persistence of his presence in those spaces today. He is referenced routinely by radio, blog, and internet video hosts in nearly every space where black politics or economics are discussed and represents more than anyone how universally applied and penetrative the myth remains. Woo, doggy. It's fascinating, man. Fascinating stuff. How even some of the great giants within blackdom have gravitated and taken how penetrative this myth is. Lord have mercy. Mm-mm-mm. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the end of chapter three. We are moving into chapter four, the myths, modern purveyors, reviewing Silic and Nielsen. The abstract reads, whatever its origins, the myth of black buying power today has only two sources. I'm going to say that one more time before I read it any further. Whatever its origins, the myth of black buying power today has only two sources. The Silic Center for Economic Growth and Nielsen Consumer Surveys. The two are complicit in promoting this, the myth, but more as silent partners to commercial press, media, and punditry. Silic and Nielsen are clear not to attach claims of black political or economic power to the myth. But they do provide intellectual cover to those who do. And they are both involved in the myth's overall promotion. And because the express goal is to connect media with ad revenue and not to clarify any actual economic conditions, Silic and Nielsen are able to develop unclear methods which produce results inconsistent with economic analysis used to assess actual material and lived experiences of black and other communities. 
two sources, man. The, the buying power today, this idea of $1.2 trillion buying power has two sources. The Selig Center for Economic Growth and Nielsen Consumer Surveys. Watch how this gets unfolded and unpacked and you see how nefarious this actually is. And I read, what appears to be the initial report from the Silic Center for Economic Growth at the Terry College of Business housed in the Bank of America Financial Center in Athens, Georgia, in 1994 marks a moment in history when an eccentric marketing concept kept mostly among those for whom buying power actually means nothing went viral. That is, viral for the 1990s. Though suffering the limitations of 20th century media technology, buying power did not take on a new life. For the next 25 years and counting, Jeffrey Humphreys, the lead author, author and the Silic Center would become the single most referenced source on the subject. And as will be detailed below, the center is referenced routinely. What apparently does not occur is any critical investigation into the claims contained in those reports or those from its primary partner in myth propagation, the Nielsen Company. So there's been no critical investigation into these buying power claims. And I read, in each case, methods used to determine or exfoliate the consumer spending habits are confused by subsequent reporting, and it must be said, not enough effort to be clear by those tasked in representing those reports into a belief that the numbers shared represented economic strength, which simply does not exist. <sighs> The Silic Center proposes buying power reports to assist businesses target their advertising purchases. Their purpose, okay? They produce buying power reports to assist businesses. Okay, I want you to understand that. The Silic Center produces buying power reports to assist business, 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 for businesses. And I read, Nielsen works with the black press to produce similar reports to assist the black press justify its own claims that more avenue rev ad revenue be spent among black media to help bring those black consumers to who? White corporations. I got I. Okay, I won't read it again. I'm, I'm going to wait. I want to read this next section. Then I want to read all that again because I really, it needs to resonate with you. And I read, the uncritical and unchecked promotion and circulation of the myth encourages a punditry and even activist acceptance and appropriation of the myth for their own purposes, allowing for even those who make routine criticisms of capitalism and white supremacy to mistakenly infuse a false concept of buying power into their analysis. Whew. 
I'm going to read that paragraph again, fam. The Selig Center produces buying power reports to assist businesses target their advertising purchases. Nielsen works with the black press to produce similar reports to assist the black press justify its own claims that more ad revenue be spent among black media to help bring those black consumers to white corporations. The uncritical, unchecked promotion and circulation of the myth encourages a punditry and even activists acceptance and appropriation of the myth for their own purposes allowing for even those who make routine criticism of capitalism and white supremacy to mistakenly infuse a false concept of buying power into their analysis Mm -mm -mm. lord have mercy and i read for example a recent Nielsen report titled Resilient, Receptive, and Relevant, the African-American Consumer Report, co-authored with the National Newspapers Publishers Association, the leading association of what? Black newspaper publishers in the country, states clearly that the two have strategically collaborated for three years to present an annual in-depth analytical report on African-American consumer unsurpassed by any other similar product on the market. The reports have become widely respected. Industry chronicles touted for the exclusive insights, data, trends, and perspectives that better prepare markers and brands to connect with this audience segment. By co-concurrently sharing the report with millions of readers around the country, we have also helped create conscious consumers who are aware, now more than ever, how their economic power has direct impact on the marketplace overall. We are proud that the combined Nielsen and NNPA resources have galvanized corporations and consumers alike to think and behave differently toward valuing the African-American consumer and their political, their I'm sorry, and their economic impact on the U.S. marketplace. <laughs> oh, not the political. Lord, no, uh, nothing to do with politics here. And I read, interesting, while this and reports like it make reference to numbers produced by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they do so only as a source for black ec- unemployment rates. This is noteworthy, okay? given that the BLS origins of the concept, as described previously, had a very different purpose. Here, because as the report acknowledged, it is to help corporations and brands reach their target black market. The concept of buying power becomes something else, mythological. Parenthetically, it is interesting to read the admissions in the report that it has as its mission that corporations and consumers be galvanized. It was, in fact, Edward Barnes who defined propaganda, public relations, psychological warfare, marketing, advertising, as the creation of a reciprocal understanding between an individual and group. Put differently, The reciprocal understanding is that the target audience come to agree with the generated message. 
In this case, that message is an acceptance by the black consumer of the marketing and the transfer of what is available for them to spend with who? White corporations. Of course, further and most damaging is the acceptance of this process as exemplifying some kind of genuine black power. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our reading for this particular episode. We are now in chapter four. Chapter four. Man, I am blown away by this. And I want to end this particular episode on this quote that I've been stating over and over again. Today's leading purveyors of the black buying power myth is the black commercial press whose goal is to remain the same, promote a false black economic reality to secure revenue. Today's leading purveyors of the myth itself is the black commercial press whose goals in this remain the same, promote a false black economic reality to secure revenue. Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Elgin Bailey, host of the Page Turners Podcast. I sincerely appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Like, share, subscribe, donate, all those things to keep what we are building here rolling, rolling, rolling. Till next time. <laughs>